0: Good morning. Good morning. Sound man, I want to use the the mobile, the mobile mic because I, I took public speaking, but I know I'm supposed to stand behind the podium, but I walk sometimes, right. and I hope you don't hold that against me. Uh, let me get my bearings together here. I, I so thank you for this opportunity, and and Jaden, look, I, I uh, Sister Richardson, I need the, your permission to borrow Jaden because. I sing too. Uh I'm a soloist because nobody wants to sing with me. But I, I I do know how to make a joyful noise. Amen. So Jaden, if you would consider that, I'd certainly appreciate it. And uh Pastor, I don't I don't I don't understand this thing. They they tell me you were supposed to take a break, but you were preaching this morning at the now, I, I I do need to know, I've been here before to support Roland when he when he shared the word. Now, uh, this pastor's heart, I I don't know if you do that also when you preach on Sundays. Is that waived when you preach on Sundays or you still do it? Two sermons. This is a bad man. <laughs> Two sermons. That was a you preach, bro. You're supposed to be taking a rest. But you preached this morning. Did he preach? Hey, man, I just appreciate that. I appreciate that word you shared. And uh, uh, to those of my friends who came, we thank you for coming. I heard it was a marital retreat. And, Rochelle, you look so beautiful. You know, uh, Brandon, uh, Daddy said uh, you could tell a lot about a man by the way his woman looks. Man, you're doing it right. So whatever you're doing and whatever Pastor taught you, keep doing it. I just remember I I was at the first time I met you, Pastor, was... When you preached, uh, when you married Lisa, your older sister, you married Lisa Albright. I'd heard about you because you and my dad were friends and I had never met you. uh, But uh, my wife and I, I, I'm just going to say this here, my wife and I were, we're looking for a new church to worship at. You know, and and I've always told people, I remember uh, you know, doing some banking business and some insurance business. I would always talk. And one time a woman wanted to uh, Heidi Fishman, Stacy. I don't know if you remember our insurance agent, uh, you were out of town, and I was telling her what we wanted, and she goes, well, what do, you, what do your wife wants? I, I'll make an appointment to come back. I said, but, uh, you don't understand. When you, when you speak to me, you're talking to both of us. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's what, that's just the way it is. So either we're going to do it now we're not going to do it. So we did it then. I remember not many years ago, we went to a local bank to establish a, uh, an account. It's not like I got a lot of money where if I poured it, the bank would hurt. No matter what Roland tells you, don't believe the hype. <laughs> and so we sat down, and I, I, I told the woman what we wanted, and she just looked right at my wife into her eyes and said, Well, Mrs. Foster, what do you want? And I took offense. Because I already told her what we wanted. And I rose up and I said, we're leaving. Well, well, Mr. Foster, you. I said, look. I said, baby, tell her what we want. And my wife said, Whatever he said, that's what we're going to do. Come asking her. I, I, I told her I speak for both of us. Folk make me mad sometimes. See, because we have this thing set up, our marriage centered around Christ. And not that my wife don't have a voice. Let me tell you something. Four years into our relationship, she claimed she wanted out, Pastor. Now, I couldn't understand this. And most men are clueless when their wives say, we got issues. Right. We, we, we are. We, cl- we think everything's all right. Uh, but it, I, I, I said when the pastor, she, she reached out to Pastor Rollison, Harvey Rollison, and he called me up. He said, Dave, your wife is very bitter, and she wants to know if you'll do counseling. Now, most men don't do counseling, so he, he asked me, Pastor, do you mind if I move this out of the way here? Okay, okay. Well, it won't move. So could I, I walk to the left? and Pastor, don't bother. Okay. So, so anyway, where was I at? Oh, she wanted out. So Pastor Robinson came over. We had four sessions. He taught us about the five love languages. And so m- my wife told him, He said she said, he's a dictator. And he won't listen to me. And Pastor said, well, Dave, why won't you listen to her? And I said, Pastor, she's full of emotions. When we come down, when we sit down and talk about what move we're going to make next, she, she really has no logic behind. She's just full of emotions. I feel this way. And I said, I can't make decisions based on emotions, Pastor. I, I need logic. It needs to make sense to me. Because when I got married, I didn't ask my wife for the leadership role. I just assumed it. Y'all don't hear me this morning. <laughs> And so, and so, pastor say, I agree with you, son, but your job as the man is to help her build steps of logic up to these emotions that are just hanging there, and son, you can't do that if you're not talking to her. So I said, baby, talk fast. I got another job to go to after <laughs> But that changed our relationship. Four years in, I was losing this beautiful woman. Baby, would you mind standing, just turn around and greet the people with your I just love this girl so much. Turn around and say hi, baby. That's 28 years. And to the right of her, that's her cousin, Dwayne. So when I thought I was getting away from St. Louis and, 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 you know, people, her family couldn't get involved in my business, I know she has some cousins up here. So if I ever treated her uh, wrong, Dwayne and his brothers would saddle up, come pay me a visit. That never had to happen. But thank God. Amen. <laughs> I just, I'm just so thankful to be here this morning, and I just appreciate the opportunity to share. And before we begin, I'd like to, if you wouldn't mind, allow me to pray for you as you have prayed for me. And I keep my eyes open on this one when I pray, and used to get in trouble as a kid because around time, Daddy would pray. Used to be a time we sat around the table together to eat. You all remember those days? Things are not like that so much anymore. Everybody's busy. I leave the food in the refrigerator it's covered up or I leave it in the microwave, the oven. Families don't generally sit down and have dinner anymore. Dinner was when daddy preached. But let me pray for you. I pray for you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, may know what is the hope of his calling. I pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I pray that you will walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. I come against the evil one, Satan, lowercase s, and I bind the plans, the schemes, and the tricky methods he has devised as he seeks to steal the word from your heart immediately after it is sown. I pray you will receive the word with gladness, that, he, that the word will take root in your heart, and that you won't be offended should persecution arise. I pray that the cares of this life won't choke the word you receive, making it unfruitful. I pray that the word will find a soft place in your heart, fall on good ground, and that you will bring forth fruit, even and hundredfold. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. Amen. I'm so, so grateful. To be with you, and this morning, I want to share with you on the subject. just do it. And uh, Stacy, I know you like to take notes. My wife is my greatest critic when I preach, and every time I come down, I'm looking for a thumbs up a couple times, she was like, mm. but she's my greatest critic, and she, uh, she tells me the truth about how I did, so I'll be looking for her input again this morning you know most everybody where you go you 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 preach everybody good word good word what meaneth thou this how how was it good (laughs) i need to know i need to know how how you know but i just leave it to the lord many years i just leave it to the lord and it's not going to come back void amen it's going to achieve what it was meant to achieve but uh, over there in matthew 18 and there's a spot in the bulletin towards the rear of it where you can take notes um I just noticed that this morning which i thought was pretty cool you can take notes if you like um and in matthew 18 21 through 35 if you have your swords with you this morning i'm going to read that and i'm coming from the king james version and it tickles me uh because my dad spent a lot of time at camps when we were kids we go to different camps and uh so dad would ask uh, the, I appreciate you all standing like they did in the days of Nehemiah. I just appreciate that. But give me a second to say this, uh, how that, he would ask one of the kids to read. And then they'd read from a version that wasn't King James. And he go, no, 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 not you. Somebody else read. And another kid would read and it wasn't the King James. And Daddy would get so frustrated. He I'll just write it on the board. And he'd just write it on the board. So I'm, I don't know if you all use King James here, but that's, the place from which I'm coming. So I, I just appreciate this. If you don't mind standing for the reading of the word, I think that's in your bulletins. That's so respectful. And I'll be reading verses 21 through 35. And it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and forgive him? Till seven times. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. That's 490 times. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. Verse 24. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now I hear that 10,000 talents, most scholars say that was about $400,000 in today's time. So so ultimately this guy owed uh, one talent was about four hundred thousand, so ten thousand would have been what, what four five million dollars or more. But for as much as he had not to pay, his lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore f- him saying. With me, and I will pay thee all. Then the lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence, a very small amount, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, "Pay me that thou owest." And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, "Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all." And he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgive thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his lord was wroth; he was angry and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Verse thirty-five. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses, you may be seated. Just do it. Just do it. So, what's the moral of this story? This is a parable here, and. In verses 21 and 22, when Peter asked, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother if he sin against me? Peter went till seven times. Now, it was the custom of the Sanhedrin in that group during that day that you forgive a person at least three times. So Peter, and four more times to it, I guess he figured he'd get a pat on the back from the Lord, say, boy, Peter. But but God uh, uh, told, Jesus told him, no, Peter. Uh, seven times, 70 times 7 in essence the moral is uh, keep on forgiving or forgive continuously we're commanded to forgive it's not an option I don't know why it's so hard for believers to forgive but some of us just say we, I'm not going to forgive you can't make me stiff as a board. I'm not going to forgive well don't do it if you don't want to but it's a command from God. If you, if you reference uh, Luke 17, 3 and 4, let me read it to you. I don't want you to turn there because when you, when you turn pages... It, it, it takes time away from me. I gotta wait on you to get there, and then after the service, you be talking about man. He preached too long. So look, I'll, I'll let you know when we to read something together. The to time I don't want y'all talking about. Boy, he showed a long when you know. So in Luke seventeen three and four it says this: Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Verse four says, and if he now just is Jesus talking. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, keep in mind here, when that word rebuke, it says, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Rebuke here means bringing a sin to the attention of a person with the purpose of reconciliation in mind. Are you hearing me? With the purpose of reconciliation in mind. So Jesus makes it clear that Peter, yeah, seven times is great, and hopefully nobody offend you that much in the same day for the same thing. But should they do so, just keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. And, and, and if you look at verse 34, sir, as we, you know, the, the, the parable is basically there in 23 through 30, 30, 33. Uh, uh, but in 34, when the, the Lord of this one servant was wroth, he says he delivered him to the tormentors. What, what, is, what is that? Because it says in verse 35, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. Lord, if I don't forgive, are you going to send me to some tormentors somewhere? What, 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 what is this? Uh, because look, in 1 Corinthians 5, you know that's where the young man was sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul addressed that issue and told the Corinthians leadership, what are you all doing allowing us to, to go on and not, not address it? And, 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 and it seems as if Paul alludes to turning a member over to Satan, lowercase s, by temporarily excommunic- excommunicating them from the church, which apparently removes a, a, a covering of protection from the offending person in hopes that they will repent of their sin and be restored. So then in verse 35, when it says, So likewise shall my father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. It's as if Jesus is watching you, knowing who has offended you, and waiting to see if you have forgiven everyone that has offended you. And until you forgive everyone that has offended you, Jesus won't forgive you. Look, let's let's look at that verse thirty-five. What what is God going to do to us if we don't forgive? Is it true that He won't forgive us? You know, I got Bible for everything I say now, and the Bible don't contradict itself. So in Ephesians chapter one, verse three through seven, would you turn to, there with me, please, if you would, and let's look at 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 forgiveness now we don't have to turn to first John 1 9 right because we know that because that's where I'm going next first John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness right so we got that you won't have to turn there but but here in Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 7 to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, verse 7, in whom, have, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Now, redemption means to, to, like, to, to buy back. You know, if you have some coupons or coupons or however you pronounce it, you can, you can redeem those at, at Jewels or, Meyer or some whatever store. You have the coupons, you can redeem those and get a discount. Or you, the second one, you buy one, you get the second one free, but you get the second one free if you have a coupon. You feel me? Right. And so, this here, when, when we have redemption, verse 7 through his blood. The forgiveness of sin that that most scholars say that that's positional or judicial forgiveness. See, so when we go to Christ and we 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 recognize we're sinful and we say, God, I need you to save me. I, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I want to be saved. I want to be delivered. I want to make sure I get to heaven. Then that's positional forgiveness. God forgave you one time and that's it. You never have to get saved again. But it feels so good; to make you want to get saved again. Anyway, when you get saved, you're so happy. It, it, it feels so good, and all to it ought to continue like that through your adult life or your whenever you get saved. But but man, being saved is just a good thing. But then when you go to a First John one nine, where it says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness," most scholars say that's relational forgiveness, where Fellowship is proper. For example, my son Josh and his lovely wife Alicia is here. I, it's a good thing y'all showed up because I told your mama if they stay home and don't come because they were at the retreat, daddy was going to have something to say, Pastor. I still have something to say. I don't care he's grown and married, got a wife. I still have something to say. Come on, somebody. Shoot. My wife would always tell these kids when they were growing up, this is not a democracy in this house. This is a dictatorship. She got that from me. And she'll tell the kids now. And they better not hang up the phone. They better not act like they have an attitude. Uh, My wife don't play, brother. I remember when she had went to see some, no, CCC, Chicagoland Christian something, and, and Josh had to be seven. My daughter, Jade, had to be about five. And so, I, ooh, I wish I could remember exactly what it was. But when Mama was around, she said they couldn't do this certain thing. And so when she was gone, I said, y'all go ahead and do it. Daddy, it's all right with Daddy. We won't tell Mama. And, no, Daddy. Mama said, I said, no, go right ahead." They started crying, crocodile. <laughs> you going to get us in trouble, Mama. said. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. That's a true story. <laughs> and that's the type of authority a mama has to have in place when daddy's gone. Right. These kids got to know discipline is going to come either way. And if you push me, I'll do it. But I mean, remember a couple of times my wife called me at work on Josh because he didn't do this or didn't do that. And she tell him, your daddy's on the phone. He come to the phone. <laughs> I said, Josh, come. He just cried, and I told my wife, I'm going to hold on to this for as long as I can, because by and by, that type of respect and fear of your father is going to fade. So I, I worked that thing, and I didn't have to call much on Josh. It was his younger brother who was the problem. Hey, man, Josh was almost perfect to raise. He was just perfect, just perfect. Um. So, positional forgiveness and relational forgiveness. Because look what God says in Matthew five. Listen to me here. This is Jesus' thoughts on forgiveness in Matthew five. Jesus said in verse twenty three, "Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, you know back in the day they, they had the the folk had to go to the altar with a, a bird or a, 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 a some kind of animal to sacrifice for the sin. The priest would take. Being a priest was hard work." You know, you lifting that heavy animal all day. I mean, just think all day long—you doing that? I wish y'all to get it right. I'm tired. Just think about it all day. Back hurting, doc. You know, oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry I'm, I shouldn't be clowning but it's fun being saved, boy it's fun preaching. <laughs> this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm called to do, man. but look, Matthew 5:23, "Therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar uh-huh. and thou remembers that thy brother has aught against thee, your brother has something against you. Right. Leave thou thy gift before the altar and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. That word reconcile meaning to to change or, or to coexist in harmony. God says, I know you got a gift for me, Roland, but you know that David has something against you. And I don't want to receive the gift. Matter of fact, I won't receive the gift until you go to your brother David and make it right. Unless you get this thing right horizontally, you're never going to have it right vertically. God said, I won't want your gift. I won't receive your gift if you know that your brother has aught against you. Now, now look, look. God didn't say if you have something against your brother, uh, uh, you know, lay the gift down and then bring it back. No, do offended you. And God, you want me to go to him and make it right? He ought to be coming to me. Right. Don't matter so far as God is concerned. God said, You lay the, if you, if you hear, Roland, if you hear that I have something against you, you heard it through the grapevine. God said, You got to go verify that that's correct. You got to come to me. God doesn't play, he, we're commanded to forgive. And we're commanded to forgive continuously. Oh, why don't you just do it? Why is it so hard for us to forgive after we've been forgiven? Forgiven but unforgiving. That's how we can be sometimes. Oh, it's a good thing I'm not God. God ought to kill some man, I think. My goodness. Ah, look at what God says about forgiveness in Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. See, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for Christ, God wouldn't forgive you. He said, I'll forgive you for Christ's sake. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. And so every time God sees sin stinks, and that stitch goes up to God in heaven. And he wants to strike it down. And Jesus stands up on the right hand. And shows God his handprints. Where they've been pierced. And say you gave them me. You gave them me. And they're sprinkled with my blood. Therefore you must forgive God. You must forgive God. And God say I set back down. Because righteous indignation rose up in me. Ah. And then Colossians 3.13, it says, forbearing or tolerating one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's Colossians 3.13. And I know you all had a marital retreat this weekend, and I'm so glad my son and his lovely wife was able to go and... uh, It's so much about communication in this thing. And I, my wife, I forget a lot. And I forget, I don't forget on purpose. And I was telling my wife how that this woman I worked with at a retail store, white woman, and she was talking about how her husband forgets. And she says, Bob doesn't forget on purpose. And I tried to bring that home. Say, baby, I don't forget on purpose. And then, you know, I got a lecture about that. But my wife says, okay, here's what we're gonna do. When I need you to do something, because I've got some yellow post-it notes in the bathroom right now with some things that she asked me to do <laughs> before yesterday. Yeah. And they're still up there. So my wife says, I'm gonna tell you. Alicia, I'm gonna text you. I'm gonna send it in an email. And I'm going to put a post-it on the bathroom mirror and see if you can't get it right, Mr. Foster. See if you can't stop forgetting. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to text you. I'm going to send you an email. I'm going to put a post-it note on the bathroom window and see if you get it right. Don't ask if I pass the test. Look at Matthew 6. Don't, don't, don't bother turning there. It, it says, "Look now, what are the consequences of unforgiveness?" Let's let's take a look at what it might be. In Matthew six fourteen and fifteen, Jesus said, "For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Right. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses." Right. Now. We just looked at First John. We just looked at uh, 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 what was that? Ephesians one, right? Uh, Verses three through seven, where we have positional forgiveness. One time, we've forgiven our sins. We we in heaven. We we our names are written in the Lamb's book of life forever, and we we got our ticket to heaven. We're there. But while we remain here on earth and dealing with our fellow man, the relational type of forgiveness that's that's. That needs to be acted upon. My son Josh, if he were to uh, ask me for the keys to the car, and I tell him no. But I took a nap, and he took my keys, and had an accident while driving. He's still my son, and I love him. But don't you talk to me when I come pick you up from the police station. On the way home, don't you say a word. Dad, I'm sorry, shut your mouth. I don't want to. Waking me up out of my sleep. I got to get up at four in the morning go to work. I don't want to hear it. Right. That's an example, Josh. You never did that. Josh <laughs> never did that. Josh never did And I did. I remember when I was 17, and I was liking this cutie pie from our church and had my license, and I asked Mama if I could use the car. Daddy worked the 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift, so he was gone, and and mama was reluctant, but she said, You can go, you can use the car, but don't you go over that girl's house. Girl named Debbie. My wife Noah had met her. Uh, I, I went over Debbie. First thing I did, Z Z to Debbie's house. Picked up, went to McDonald's and on the way home from McDonald's because she wanted some fries. Uh, we had a stoplight. And the car in front of me, we—I I got my foot on the brake. Something falls. I, we didn't have cell phones then, so I know it wasn't that. And and I reach down to get it. My foot come off the brake. I run into the woman, bump the woman woman in front of us. Just a bump, no damage to her car, Cynthia. Our car, it look it's totaled almost. Son. I mean, just I mean, really, it's just a little bump. And I'm like, oh. So I get home and. Uh, you know, Mama's furious. I bet you went over there at Debbie's house. Yeah, I did, because, you know, Debbie's father was pastor with my father at the church, so we, we were close. And um, So Daddy gets home, and Mama, Mama tells Jordan, you know, I told him not to go. And he, boom, boom, look look at the car, and it was, it was messed up pretty bad. <laughs> and so uh, Daddy looked, oh, oh, I remember this like yesterday. Daddy looked at me and said, son, are you okay? Did you get hurt? I said, "Uh, no, sir. He said, okay, good. So he walked toward the house to go to bed. My mom said, "Uh, Jordan, is that all you're going to do? You're not going to do nothing else? He said, Mary, that's why they call it accident. Baby, he didn't mean to do it. I said, yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. And then mom over there looking at me. And I stood up, you know, straight. But thank God for daddy. That was one time because daddy didn't play. He was tough. He was like a drill sergeant at times, but, but I was forgiven in his sight. And so, so the fellowship with mama wasn't good, and I'm sure daddy didn't like it. And I was working. I told daddy i will pay for it. He said, don't worry about it, son. I got it. Ooh, that made mama growl even more. But forgiveness. My relationship was broken, Ah, but it was still intact. I had to be forgiven. And look, look, look. So Jesus said, neither will my heavenly father forgive you if you don't forgive your brother. Turn with me please to James chapter 5 if you have your swords with you. James chapter 5 verses 3 through, I mean verses 13 through 16. James chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. If you need me to wait, say, please wait. Got it? Okay. But I still hear pages rattling. And Daddy always told me, if you hear pages rattling, people don't have it yet. So once I hear the pages stop rattling, I'll read. Okay. Verse 13 in James chapter 5, coming from the King James. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. There are times you might be too sick to pray for yourself. There have been times like that. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Why? Because of the prayers of the saints. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail it much, or accomplishes much. It could be that if you are unforgiving, you have positional forgiveness. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But your relational forgiveness, it, God has not forgiven you because you have not forgiven your brother. And it could be that you might mm, get some type of sickness in your body because of unforgiveness is is that what it means when jesus said i won't forgive you the father won't forgive you your trespasses sickness could come upon you because of a lack of forgiveness it seems to be a tie there somewhere and i'm not dogmatic to say that it is but 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 it could be and i heard your boy steve harvey Share what T.D. Jakes shared with him about forgiveness. And what T.D. Jakes, and I know some of you all in the circle I'm from may not listen to T.D. Jakes. I don't much anymore. I did in the past. I'm, I'm just so busy now. I don't have time to really listen to it. But every night Steve Harvey's on in my house with that game. What's that little game? Family, Family feud. Oh, when my wife's in there preparing dinner, she, she, she's watching that thing. You should have said so-and-so. Why didn't you say so-and-so? But Steve Harvey, who I really believe is a believer, he just, God need to help him with that cursing. But he might say Peter cussed, is covered in the blood. He said, but Jake's told him that unforgiveness is like you drinking poison waiting on the offender to die. You drinking the poison. But you're waiting on the one to, to, who offended you to die. In essence, what you're doing is killing. Forgiveness is for you. It's really not for the other person. So I tend to believe that there's a connection with physical illness to not forgiveness. Pastor, I could be wrong. I don't know what you teach teaching here. But it seems to be a connection. Shoot, that's, that's it. I'm done. 28 minutes and 23 seconds. And so I just want to encourage you, just do it. If somebody offends you, just forgive them. If your wife, if he don't let the toilet seat down, just let it down yourself. We forget sometimes. If your co worker on the job offends you, does something you don't like, just forgive him. If your kids do something stupid while they're going through their done days, and they will go through their done days, forgive them. Just do it. Just do it. Look, we're, we're supposed to be the example to the world. It was, you flashed something on the screen this morning about that. We're supposed to be the example to the world. And how shall the world want to follow a Jesus who we don't even want to obey?